Hey everyone, it's Nick Karadza here. And no, I haven't taken over the podcast because Tom keeps asking me every time we start one together if I can hear him. But uh, he wasn't available for this one. So I jumped in and on this life of this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I speak with Karan Gandhi, who um, has quite the interesting story and is in the real estate industry, but has has done a, a number of different things. So we start with kind of her journey into Canada, but what, where things really get interesting is around the 15 or 20 minute mark, she talks about where she really started to redefine her life. And unfortunately, it was due to some not so good circumstances where that landed her in a Toronto Women's Shelter. But that's when she made a big shift and then she launched a new career. And not only did she launch that, but she launched it at a Walmart kiosk, which if anyone knows, isn't uh, the easiest way to launch something when in, in that type of environment, whether in Walmart or elsewhere. And um, she shares that story and a really interesting story about how it got going kind of a little bit outrageous. She did something that took a lot of guts that I just don't think I know I would have done, uh, that I'm not sure if I would have done, but she did it and it paid off for her. So it was pretty cool. And something that really stood out because she's now gone for an operational role to a sales role to like a, a kind of industry leader, helping a lot of other people with, with building their own business within the real estate industry is that um, it's, it's her knowledge and the impact marketing had for her and how she's helping pay that forward and sharing it with other people to have impact with them as well. And we're obviously big believers in marketing. We shared that b- before um, in our society today. It's just one of the most important skills we feel you can have. So, uh, it, you know, we touch on a variety of different things, get into some good conversation, and it's quite interesting. It was the main reason we actually launched the Entrepreneur Summit that we've done now. This will be the fourth year running. And um, if you want any information on that, you can go to www.therockstarsummit.com. And that's where we share all the lessons and skills and strategies that we've learned over the years and we've implemented in our, our businesses. And we really pull back the curtain and it's two full days of sharing just everything that, that, that we got uh, that you can use. And, and we kind of break it down into systems and blueprints and just everything that you can use yourself and implement into your own business. So if that's, that stuff's something that's in, interest, of interest to you, then you can check it out there. And that's it for now. So enjoy the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. So we're live again. So we had a little (laughs) bit of a... Grant gave us all those great insights and information, um, which we had recorded, and then there was no context to it because no one was recording my voice, so I kind of messed this up. So, guys, we're here again. Uh, it's Nick here. I'm here with uh, Karan Gandhi, and we are um, we're talking about, I guess, just really kind of her journey because you've been through a lot of stuff, which you just shared, mm-hmm. and now we're going to have to kind of repeat it. But it's interesting to me, so we'll go yeah, through that's that. Totally okay. So Before. let's let's start from from because what we were talking about is you were in um, born in Austria, well then I didn't realize went to India for a couple of years, mm-hmm. moved to England, then moved to Canada. Mm-hmm. So you've been all over the place. Yeah. So can you just kind of share what you were talking about? So so you started in Austria, you moved to India in your early teens, and why did you go? Why did you guys decide to do that? Mm-hmm. So it was really more my. Uh, dad's decision more than anyone else's he was very um he and I think this is something like I said a lot of immigrant parents go through that and this is just through observation is when they leave behind their country I feel sometimes they um they feel like they've betrayed their roots almost so my dad went through that where he wanted us to move back and live there and kind of get to know the culture the people understand, you know, how things kind of go and how, you know, he grew up as well. So it was like a two year period. We ended up leaving because my sister couldn't adjust because of her health issues. There. Okay. Like, and because uh, the climate's very different, of course, and there's, you know, a lot of... So is it heat? Is that it's heat, that's what it yeah, was? Yeah, it was mostly like the heat and um, she, she was asthmatic at the time. So it was just not, the, the, the climate was just not working and out And the dust, her. right? Because is, yeah. is it pollution or dust because it's dry as well? It's pollution, really. It's pollution and pollution has been getting progressively worse in India from what I hear. I haven't been back in like eight years now, but... Uh, but it's just, and there's, it's just the amount of people. Yeah, it, like, it, it's shocking the amount of people. I, so I've never been, but I mm-hmm. remember when I went to, my wife and I went to uh, Egypt. We went mm-hmm. to Greece and we were so close. I'm like, oh my God, we got to go someplace else. Yeah. So we went to Cairo and 
it was nothing like what I was ready for. Like the sheer, there was three lane roads and it was five on every road. It was five lanes of cars on three lanes of roads. And it's just honk, 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 honk and turn the wheel and drive. And when I got back, I'll never forget, I saw a magazine article with the highest density cities. And Cairo was up there, but there, it was a fraction compared to some other cities throughout kind of Asia. And I'm sure there were cities in India there as well. And I was like, holy cow, like if, if this, if there's cities that are multiple times more dense than Cairo, like I couldn't even imagine because it, it was crossing the street in Cairo. I felt like it was a game of Frogger. Oh, yeah. You know, I was like, ah. and the one local was laughing at us when we tried to do it. He's like, hi, what are you guys doing? And he grabbed our hands and he just pulled us across the street. And I'm like, wow. we're going to die. What are we doing here? We're going to die. So, um, yeah, so that was an adjustment for sure for you guys. Yeah, it was. And I think you have to also, I'm, I've always been a very like sensitive person when it comes to like the environment that I'm in and, you know, making sure that, you know, I'm just, a, I'm, I'm a people person. And for me to have to see and witness the segregation between the poor and the rich which is really really vast was very difficult to adapt to that and turn a blind eye to it and pretend like it's not happening which is what i found a lot of people that live there do and um, that was one of the biggest struggles i think that i had was of course it's a different like you know the amount of people and everything else but it's just seeing the difference between the lifestyle of the poor and the rich and is there, there just big... is no in between yeah that's what i was going to ask so there's no middle class there technically is, but even between the middle class, quote unquote, and the rich, there is a huge gap. Oh, really? Yeah, there really is. Huh. Okay, so then it took you there. So you guys left there to England, which I guess were you guys happy? You and your sister were happy about? Were your parents happy about as well? Or Well, this was basically, so growing up in Austria was interesting because my dad was a turban and he drove a taxi all of his life. Okay. So it, he faced a lot of racism. So it's not like, you know, it's times have, of course, changed now. I've been back to Austria and things are, you know, definitely progressively better. But I think at the time it was more ignorance than anything else. People just aren't aware of a lot of things. Not that it's an excuse, but he had to face a lot of racism, which is why when the European Union, you know, opened up at the time, we decided as a family that it would be a better decision for us to move to England just because it's a bit more multicultural and, you know, it, you can integrate better. If you're a person of color, I'm like visibly like my dad was wearing a turban is, you know. Because at that time, England was getting a lot more immigration, I guess, than some other yeah. countries. Right. Because even now, they're, they're a lot more multicultural than some other year. And maybe that's changed more recently just with the influx of um, just refugees from, from different kind of problems over there, Syria, especially, and those types of things. But yeah. I think for a while, England's, England's been a little bit more, more multicultural, maybe because people went there because there was an economy and more money and stuff for a while? Possibly. I think for like, as far as like the Indian community is concerned, it's just because England, like Britain ruled over India for over 200 years. Oh yeah, I would even so think of that. So there's a bunch of Indian people who, you know, there's like four generations, some of them, some families that moved to England like four or five generations ago. So. Well, is it easier to immigrate to England as like from India because of that? Or is it is basically the same, it doesn't matter from India or anywhere else, it's going to be mm -hmm. the same process for you guys? I for us, it was different because we were, you know, we European nationals. Oh, that's nationals. right. Yeah, yeah, so of course. for us, we had no problems moving to England because we had like the Austrian passport and I still do <laughs> to this day. Yeah, why not, passport. man? Keep yeah. it. You never know when you'll come in handy. Honestly, with like all the things that are happening in the world, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. We have our, um, we got our Brit, uh, what did we get first? I think we got our Croatian passports first because mm -hmm. basically Croatia was like, hey, look, We'll take as many citizens as we can get. So through our father, we were able to get our creation, uh, not passport, citizenship, sorry. Mm. And then um, for a period of time, it opened up, England opened up that we could get, my, our mother's Scottish. Mm -hmm. So we were able to get our British passport, not England, mm -hmm. our British passport through uh, through her. I don't think that's the case anymore. And my our kids can't get it from us. So it kind of stops with us unless we become, I guess, full citizen. I don't even know. I could, we have our citizenship. I don't forget our passports. I don't know how exactly that, that would work, but it kind of, the way those rules worked is that we can't now give it to our kids right? because we're kind of like a B citizen, not an A citizen or something. Mm -hmm. However it works. Mm -hmm. So, but, but yeah, it might never use it, but I don't know. It's, it's worth having because you just never mm -hmm. know what can happen. Right. Honestly, you never know what can happen. There are a lot of things. And I had a conversation with my cousin. It's really interesting because even like if you look at what's happening in India right now and her being, so my cousin, she's, you know, she's Muslim and some of the thought processes people have to go through, like we don't realize how fortunate we are with the passports just by the passports that we hold yeah. with her having an Indian passport and some of the concerns that she has with like the political changes. I just had that conversation with her. I was like, wow, like 
we don't realize like just to stop and take a moment of like where we live how fortunate we are and you know just really being grateful for that yeah there was a uh, we had a guest one of the investors that we work with um that was on the podcast sir joe Manzur. so a few people have listened to it already he was talking um, about when where he was from south america mm. and it was uh, he lived through 30 percent inflation on a regular basis 30 percent and we're like how do you how do you live? yeah like like you know when you when you're born and raised in canada as much as you think you understand that you can't really comprehend it until you have to actually go through it right mm-hmm. so it's interesting so okay so you now are early teens to india mid-teens to england yeah so i started my university so right after finishing school i moved to england i okay. was the first person to move so it was <laughs> get like, me out of here yeah <laughs> i was like I'll get out Leave of Leave your effort. sister with the health problems. You're like, I'm here first. Let I'm me go. go. Yeah. I have, yeah, so I, I was the first one to move, and then my family kind of followed within a year's space. And, um, you know, it's it's exciting. Like, I love talking about it. And whenever I tell people this is game I play, it's like, you'll never be able to guess where I was born. Because, <laughs> like, you Oh, yeah, see, no kidding. You know, you see someone who's, like, darker skin, speaks in an English accent, kind of, but she was born in Austria. So people can never guess. So it's always fun to play that game, but it's, I was trying to figure out your accent the first yeah. time we spoke. I'm like that, but it's not <laughs> true. But it's there. But like I, I had no clue. Like there was just right. no way. No, it's it's been you know what it's it's taught me a lot, but at the same time, it's also been very challenging having to move around so much. So sometimes I think maybe now the older I get as well, the more I have this desire of having like more stability in terms of like where is home and I want to have like one space and I think Canada has done that for me which I'm really really grateful for yeah that's cool when did you come to Canada this is now well it was 2011 so nine years ago almost yeah so uh, yeah I'm not gonna ask you I was gonna ask you so how old were you then because then someone's (laughs) gonna do the math and I know I'm not allowed to ask that it's easy to do the math okay so you did the so you you finished school there yeah were you working there as well in England yes I did my university and then I became a teacher I decided that, you know, education was one of those things I found was very rewarding. So I wanted to become a teacher and I did my postgraduate. And then I taught in England for a few years before moving to Canada. Oh, cool. What were you teaching? I was teaching German and business studies to secondary kids. So you speak German? I do, yes. So you speak, what, what do they speak? Uh, uh, they speak? They speak German in German Austria, don't they? Yeah, 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 yeah okay. So they speak the German there. Yeah, yeah. And then in India, they speak? The, the national language is Hindi. Okay, that's and what I was going to say, but I just didn't know because I think yeah. there's a lot of dialects and different things. There is, I figured I could offend yeah. someone if I said the wrong term. So. Oh, no, for sure. There are like dozens of languages okay. and like so hundreds of dialects german which is yeah of course that's yeah. a super easy language which oh, is not yeah. right <laughs> hindi english and what else uh, i speak another indian language as well and really? then i used to teach spanish up until grade eight really yeah holy moly well i speak english and i know how to say my name <laughs> I, like my name is nick in french because my my daughter my daughter's starting in french and she taught me again so yeah that's about yeah. all i got actually we speak croatian which you can use nowhere outside of Croatia (laughs) so um (laughs) that's so funny well you know what languages is one of those skills though I think the earlier like the younger you are when you're learning languages the better for you because all the languages like we grew up speaking four languages in our household that's great still do so that's really cool the younger you are the easier for sure because I tried and attempted to learn French and I gave up very fast as I was older yeah okay so you came to Canada and then so then this is where this is where the fun starts because this is where yeah. now you're coming to your own. You were teaching. You're like, yeah. all right, I'm going to Canada. Why Canada? Why did you come to Canada? I've always been coming to Canada. We've got family here as well, so okay. extended family. And I, and I really just, I don't know how else to describe it, but I really like the energy and the vibe in Canada. That is the only way I can put it. I was telling someone recently about, you know, and, and every time someone asks me about, but isn't it really cold in Canada? Yeah. Isn't it really, really harsh, the winters? Um, despite the war, like the cold weather, I feel the people are really warm, and there is just a warmth overall that I feel here, which always dr- kept drawing me back to Canada. So I made that decision that you know I wanted to live here and I wanted to make this country my home, and yeah, that's kind of where like that's where it all started. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. We we um I, I agree with you, and I think mm-hmm. one thing that really sets, I guess maybe from the Toronto area at least, there's very few cities i think you can go to with this much multiculturalism mm-hmm. where it, it has integrated so well and yes. i don't know if it'll last forever or not like i obviously i hope it does and um you know we're really fortunate that way mm-hmm. and we often talk about the immigration numbers because we've seen just a huge spikes in immigration mm-hmm. over the you know the last few years mm-hmm. 
in this area. But our immigration system is so good. Like we, we're very fortunate that we're we're attracting a lot of you know skilled immigrants that are coming to this country and immediately contributing to our economy and making the place better. It's not helping our real estate, not you know because oh of supply God. and demand. That's not their <laughs> fault. But um, it's uh, you know we're, we're fortunate that way. And I think to me in Toronto that that sets Toronto and and other areas of Canada apart in in a different way you know and I just hope it kind of it, it lasts because it's a it's a cool thing I agree with you completely because I've what you notice in terms of like multiculturalism and the integration piece of it in every other part of the world is that as long as you're in like a bigger cosmopolitan type of a city you'll see it work okay but the moment you step outside of it, like even if you go to the States or even if you go to Europe, there is a massive difference in terms of like how people are integrating with each other. But in Canada, and I've gone as far as like I've gone to North Bay to speak and I've gone to like Timmins and it's and I've always felt that warmth consistently wherever I've been. So. That's You've gone to North to Timmins to speak? Yeah. Oh, I've been to some did, really yeah. interesting places. Yeah. Okay, good, cool, because that's where I want to get to that. So that's perfect. So came to Canada. Is this when you got into real estate? Once you came to Canada, or were you doing something else first? I was. I got into real estate by accident. This is not. This wasn't planned. I literally moved to Canada. Uh, I was married at the time, okay. so I met my ex-husband, and then I moved here. And I didn't have a job. It was really, really difficult to find a job. Coming from, it doesn't matter where you come from. They asked for a Canadian experience wherever yeah. I went. And I was like, well, for that, I need to get an opportunity to get a Canadian experience. So it was really, it was tough. I struggled for about 10 months. Couldn't find it, couldn't find work. And I started to hear the word networking a lot. And I had no idea what it meant at the time. <laughs> I was like, you need to start networking. And I was like, what does that even mean? You know? And uh, at the time there was a surplus of teachers as well. So I wasn't able to find any work as a teacher. And then my aunt, who's a real estate agent said, listen, there's like, you know, I just, just come work at the front desk of my office. At least you'll get some, you know, you'll get some money and you can start getting some experience. I was like, I'll take anything at this point. Like, I'll just want to work. So that's how I ended up in real estate. That was my beginning in real estate, which was like, you know, towards the, towards 2012, like the beginning of 2012. Huh. You know what? It's, um, it's not a bad place to start because you mm -hmm. get to understand truly kind of how things work. So you get true. to see a lot of people that are doing things well and doing things poorly and then adjust what you want to do accordingly. It's so true. And if it wasn't for that experience, I wouldn't have done everything that happened throughout like my career and having started my career in Canada, every little interaction I have has led to something big. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, so from there you started selling. So, mm -hmm. so you started selling real estate, which you don't really anymore, right? That's no, not the focus. I, I, I started with that uh, brokerage at the time. It was a brokerage in Mississauga with about 200 agents. Okay. And um, I started at front desk. I was very quickly moved into kind of the management side of things. What, what's that in a brokerage? What's that? Because when we started our mm -hmm. brokerage, just to give you an idea, we started in an Oakville brokerage mm -hmm. that they went bankrupt. We were like, we we were, it was, it was, um, well, I mean, it was a Keller Williams, right? Mm -hmm. So it was a Keller Williams and we're fans of Keller Williams. Mm -hmm. But at that time, I guess maybe the, the area wasn't ready for it or maybe it was poorly run. I have no idea because we just kind of had our licenses. We were, we were starting, starting out, was doing our own investing. Um, and the, the broker there said, uh, we were pretty, basically the only people doing business. So we didn't see how the, like a larger brokerage ran. And then we ended up starting our own brokerage. So we've like, as we've grown, we're just trying to figure all this out because we have no reference points for that type of stuff. So when you say management of the brokerage, is that like the operation side of it? I was involved in the operation side of things, but, uh, there was me and one more girl. I was more in, they wanted me more in the marketing. Okay. So they wanted me more in marketing and retention of agents and retention for me being a teacher naturally meant being providing nice trainings, being nice to yeah, people, yeah. but also providing them with the tools that they need and resources that they need, which at the time I felt weren't really existent for the agents. So, I mean, I have a business background, so I have a business degree, I'm a teacher by profession. So I started to put together my own curriculum even then, even though I didn't have any industry experience, but still from a marketing standpoint, I started to work with the agents one-on-one -on -one in group settings, 
just to bring in, you know, you know, just to help them grow their business really. And so where did you learn the marketing side of stuff? You were just teaching yourself at that point from there? Yeah. And I mean, I started in sales and marketing at the age of 16 in Oscar. Okay. So I was like, my first job was in a call center and oh, I yeah, okay. very fast. If you, to, yeah, yeah. If you work in a call, cause I, I did as well. I was at Oracle for a while and you just go in, you put the headset on yeah. and you start making calls. You know, that that teaches you a lot of things, a lot of life lessons that, you know, beyond just the sales side of stuff. So, yeah. okay, so that's it, where you cut your teeth there. That's literally where I started. Like one week we're selling toners, the next week we're send, selling like pencil leads. I don't know what we're selling, yeah. but it was like a different product every week. And um, I think you develop a really tough skin as well. You learn skills in terms of, you know, I think what I learned from a very early age still serves me today. So you started working, so you started selling mm-hmm. real estate, mm-hmm. you were successful in that, but then you transitioned more into kind of working, maybe not more, but you did transition into at least part of your time, mm-hmm. and then it was like a growing part of your time, mm-hmm. into helping other people in real estate market their services. Mm-hmm. What, like, why? Like, I guess you just saw, like, you just, did you just look around and be like, holy crap, man, what are these guys doing? Like, they just don't know what they're doing, let me try to help these people? Um. Partly, yes, because... <laughs> Without mentioning names. We don't have to mention I'm names, I'm just like, right? I'm trying to be like very tactical here. <laughs> well, it, yes, but also for me, I see potential in, you know, within this industry. I think this industry has given me so much when I had nothing. Even today, when I look at my life and I assess what I have, I think, you know, this country and this industry has literally given me roots, that I've established here and the support that I, you know, I couldn't have asked for more support. But for me, it was all about giving back because, you know, now looking back at kind of my journey, I've, I've seen every single struggle that there was to be seen, both professionally and personally, sometimes both at the same time. Because mm. you went through a big personal thing, right? I did, yes. And that, I didn't, I, like, I, I don't even know if I was supposed to ask you about it or not, but... yeah. I don't know if you like to give people some context. Do you want to share that? Because that kind of matters probably in what you're talking about. It really does. And it matters to the point where I believe that, you know, I I don't like to look at myself and be like, oh my God, why me? I never have been that type Mm -hmm. of person. I don't believe in regrets. And I think even if I could go back and every single decision that I made and every single decision that kind of, you know, flopped on me was there for a reason because I wouldn't be who I am today in a position that I am today if I hadn't gone through my experiences. So what had happened was I had got married and then I went through a divorce and it was, you know, I was in a, I was in a abusive relationship on all levels. It was emotionally, verbally and physically abusive. It got progressively worse, pretty much textbook. If you read any kind of, you know, how it works. And at the time, it was very hard for me to comprehend what was happening because I had grown up in a very sheltered, in a very loving environment and any relationship, which was, you know, one relationship that I had prior to that, which was a very, you know, it was a very healthy relationship. So I didn't really understand or know how to make sense of what was going on with me and what was happening with me. This is probably common, right? Like, because it seems yeah. like when you say it's textbook, it seems like it happens and like, because I think a lot of people on the outside were like, well, mm. You know, I mean, I would never let that happen to me because what's wrong with that person? Why'd they stay with the person? They just, you should just leave. You know, like it's very, it's, it's always very simple and very easy when you look at those situations Mm -hmm. from the outside without going through it. Mm -hmm. But I guess when it happens Mm -hmm. kind of incrementally, and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm asking this, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying it Mm because I don't know. When it happens incrementally, is that what you, like you don't see it happening? You know, it's like when something changes in front of you every day. You You don't. It, It creeps up on you. And before you know it, before you know it, it's so bad that, you know, it's almost like, what just happened? It's Mm -hmm. almost like you're waking up from a nightmare and it's been a really long one of that. For me, I think, like I said, having grown up in a really sheltered kind of way and not knowing the ways of the world and, you know, the type of people that are in there, I think I had to go through that. I had to go for that to grow as a person because I just, I wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. And it's tough to, it's tough to say that at the time, it's tough to, tough to see that at the time. Like it's tough to even say, I don't necessarily, dis- I don't know your whole mm-hmm. story. I don't necessarily disagree, but it's just uh, to be able to come to that realization mm-hmm. and view it that way. I still think few people do. And it's obvious that's probably one of the reasons why you were able to not only get out of that situation mm-hmm. but then excel afterwards mm-hmm. you know what i mean so to for credit sure. to yourself for that is what i guess is what i'm saying yeah no absolutely and well i mean my realization came at a point where i was you know this is towards the very end 
of my relationship, of my marriage, where I was at a shelter and I saw another woman there with two little kids, probably like under three, if, if I was to say, with a language barrier, no family support and absolutely no money and no job and barely any education. Oh and gosh. she was at that shelter and I remember looking at her and something within me just told me, no, you got to get up and keep moving forward like failing is not an option giving up is not an option see I was at that crossroads where it was just like you have two options here you have you literally have a way to restart your life and rebuild your life or you can go down the victim mindset where I can just literally go on a downward spiral and had plenty of people around me that felt sorry for me and that would have like you know not in a bad way but like plenty of people I understand yeah so it was up to me at that point like who do I want to focus on and it was that decision that I had to make like I only have so much energy now I have very little left what do I want to focus it on wallowing on what has happened to me or do I want to learn from it and I chose to learn from it which I'm still learning from it Mm -hmm. I still am but the interesting thing is you know, and, and I'm a big believer in energy. I'm a big believer in, you know, we sometimes say things without saying things. What I've started to notice has happened is there's a lot of women in the industry now that I coach and I work with agents every day that will approach me and they will say things like, you inspire us or, you know, we, your stories really, you know, made a difference because we don't know what people are going through. Mm-hmm, right. It may not be at an extreme scale, but sometimes it's like, you know, someone may just be going through a relationship where they're being controlled on an emotional level or may not be able to express themselves but for them to be able to see a young woman of you know color and you know I've basically done everything on my own here um it, 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 I think it's just really rewarding for me to see that and when I see that and when I hear that from other women that come up to me and say that, you know, there is something that I said or just by me being me, I've inspired them. Even if it's like 1%, I feel like everything I've gone through has been worth it. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. It's, it's, um, and you said at that same, it was it around that time when you were going through that is when you were kind of transitioning professionally as well? Correct. So yeah. you were dealing with a lot. Like, yeah. it, it's, it, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, I guess, right? So Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, challenges keep presenting themselves. And I think for me, the biggest thing is now I look at every single challenge and I ask myself, not why is this happening to me, but why is this happening to me? Not in a why me, yeah. in a victim mindset, yeah, yeah, yeah. but okay, why Trying is to this figure going it out? out? But that's, yeah. that's interesting because essentially that's just taking ownership on it, even if it's some things that... Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's there's certain things that are out of your control. Do you know what I mean? But but so often people will look at everything, even things that are in their control, mm-hmm. and point elsewhere. Whereas, I think one of the things that made the difference for you is saying, "Okay, look, I'm not going to point elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's me. Like it ends here. You know what I mean? Like I got to make this stuff happen." Which is, I guess, the biggest realization anyone needs to have, right? Yeah. It's tough to do. Especially, so was your family not here at that that time? So it was just still no. you here by yourself. I was here by myself, but I have. Um is I your fa- have a very did your sister support network? Okay, but did any of your family come over, or no? Just you're the only one that moved to Canada. I was the only one that moved. I'm still the only one that's here, and um, and I had a decision to make after my divorce as well. As my divorce was proceeding, my family, my parents, they all wanted me to move back to England. Yeah. And I had a decision to make at that point as well, which would have been the easy thing for me to do was like just go back and. Um, but I knew that I had made the decision to move to this country before I met my ex-husband, and for me. I, it was more important for me to stick with my decision and face face going through whatever I had to go through post my divorce by being in the same environment and learn to love the country and see this place through a new set of eyes. Wow. Is that is that stubborn or driven? Driven. Not even <laughs> yeah. driven. I think it's more, um, I think it's a healthy way of, it's a healthy way of moving on in life. Mm-hmm. I didn't instead want to of, run away. That's what I was just going to say. Instead of, it could have felt like you were running away from it, unresolved. And uh, Okay, I get that. All right, so sorry. So let's transition from that. So you've made it through this, which yeah. is which is great. You know, you've picked yourself up. You're like, all right, no one's going to flip and hold me down. You've done this. You've, you you know, you got this original job. You, you kind of were elevated into another kind of management type role there. Mm-hmm. And then um, back to the agent side of things, when mm-hmm. you were making this transition, how did that... 
where did that come about? Like, was it just literally like you've helped a few people, Yeah. you know, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but when uh, the barrier to entry has actually gone, it is harder to get into real estate now as a real estate mm-hmm. agent. But at the time when I got my license, it was quite easy. It was three open book exams. Mm-hmm. So they were, they were, sh- they were short answer. So I had to do a lot, a lot of writing. Um, so I was literally just in the exam, I was copying out like full paragraphs from the textbook and I'm like, I don't know, I think this is the right answer. So I was like, maybe I get part marks. Right. So that's the way, that's the way I got into it. Um, so, uh, but they don't teach you any business stuff. They don't. Right. So is that, you saw that, like, is that where you're like, man, like I want to help these people or you saw a gap in the market? Like, where did that come from? Yeah. So I basically, after I, uh, I was with my first real estate job that I started at was there for about just under a year before I got again through networking (laughs) I got recruited into uh one of the biggest like real estate companies in North America their head office are they called Rockstar Real Estate um they should be called (laughs) Rockstar Real Estate um and they they basically recruited me to work with them on trainings and this is when I had already been licensed and I'd already started my sales career I started my sales career at a Walmart kiosk. So. Oh my gosh, you told me that. Yes. I totally forgot. And I said, I go, do people actually stop and they talk to you? They do not. You have to share the story about how you got that first deal. Can you? Yes. Are we allowed to? Because I forget oh the details of it. But I remember when you told me the first time, I was like, that's amazing. Well, it was my company at the time used to have, they, they used to own a kiosk at a Walmart, which is basically if you've been to like, a Walmart at the grocery section right outside. And this is now February. We're talking, it's cold outside. People have their grocery bags in their hands and the last thing they want to do is speak to a real estate agent. Often at Walmart, people are pretty grumpy by the end of it because it's not not the best like shopping experience for anyone. You you want the prices, (laughs) but you don't want the experience. So people are like, get me the hell out of here. They just want to leave. Yeah, They literally just want to leave. And at that moment in time, the last thing they want is someone who's just, just another agent stopping them and talking about real estate. So... For that reason, no one actually, none of our agents at the office even wanted to stand there. So my broker was like, he's like, you can do it. And I go, all right, then I'm going to just try. So I used to take literally every other shift that was because at the time there was no real social media marketing. It was just starting out. Yeah. And it was just like now eight years ago, like they weren't like there was no Facebook ads or anything like that. It was just starting up. So I was like, how do I generate leads? I have to stand at this kiosk and I'm going to stand at this kiosk. So I started to just talk to everyone. I just started going up to people. I would just be like, all right, so we need to talk. Where do you live? So I started sometimes like literally be like, let me grab your bags. And I would take the bags out of their hands. And I was like, don't worry about it. I'll hold your bags. Let's put them to one side. So I started to do giveaways, market updates and stuff like that. So I did my first seven deals from that kiosk within the first couple of months of working there. And I remember the one client that I got was like... Was that the first one? This, this yeah, story? Yeah, this was okay, the, yeah, first yeah, the first one. one. He came this... up to me and he's like, do you know where the bathroom is? And at this point, mind you, I've been standing at this kiosk for like four or five hours and I've had no luck and no one wants to talk to me. And I'm just like, listen, I've been standing here for four hours. If you want to know where the bathroom is, you're going to have to give me some real estate business. He looked at me for a second. He's like, are you kidding? I go, I'm dead serious. You're going to have to hold that in because I don't care. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> so he's like, started laughing. He's like, you know what? I actually have 16 condos in Markham that I need to assign. We're investors. So it's like, great. There's the bathroom. Make sure you come back. And he did. And, you know, at the time we got all 16. That's awesome. It was amazing. That's awesome. You know what? That's the like the, yeah. you know, so many people like sometimes I know now, in different circles, maybe not for everyone, but if you listen to like a Gary Vaynerchuk or something like yeah. the, the term hustle isn't so bad anymore, right? Because everyone talks right. about hustle, 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 and it's like almost overstated, it, it, depending it on is. what you listen to, right? Yeah. But it used to be viewed as like a negative thing, mm-hmm. right? But that's what you need to be able to to gain momentum because Tom and I are, are both really strong believers in momentum. We're like it's, it's mm-hmm. one of these, um, similar to what you said about energy, you know, it's one of these kind of things that there's really, you can't quantify it somehow, mm-hmm. but when things start rolling, mm-hmm. things start happening. You don't really understand why. You don't really understand mm-hmm. how, but you're like, I don't like, let's just go with it. Mm-hmm. But then if you stop doing everything, that momentum stops and it's mm-hmm. so hard to get it going again. Mm-hmm. And you need to be like, you know, and I, I know it's an overused term, so I don't have another one right now, but you need that hustle to be able to start that ball rolling, which, mm-hmm. which is kind of what made the difference for you. Because I think I would say, 
90% of people wouldn't be willing to to do that. They would look at the kiosk. Like you said, the people in your office are like, I'm not going to stand at the kiosk. The kiosk mm-hmm. is below me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's just not my thing. I'm not going to do it. Where you started a whole, not even just a whole career, because that whole career, if you look at it long term, led into another career for you. Sure. Right? So, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. When you say hustle, I mean, I, I understand like for me too, like hustle Some people have like a negative connotation towards that word and some have a positive, but momentum, I really like that Mm -hmm. because for me, it's about not overthinking it. You just go for it. Mm -hmm. A lot of us end up overanalyzing. Like you said, like we end up thinking, well, what am I going to say? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And it's that hesitance. And we keep putting excuses after excuses after excuses instead of trying. And I say this to agents now as well. Like when I'm out there coaching, like I'll say to them, hey, why don't you guys try doing this? I'll give them a marketing strategy. And everyone in the room, rather than thinking, oh, this is a cool idea, I'm just gonna try it because what do I have to lose? We'll be like, but what if people get annoyed? What if this happens? What if that happens? So we immediately start thinking of the negative things that could happen. And I always turn around and say, but what if it does work? Like, why can't you be more open-minded towards trying things out and just go for it? We're always geared towards the, like, here's why it won't work first, right? Yeah, it makes it it makes it difficult to um, to try stuff. Like you just gotta throw enough crap against the wall and see what it sticks. You gotta try it, right? Like it seems outrageous, but um, from the marketing standpoint, so you were talking about social media and that Mm -hmm. type of stuff. Is that where you focused with agents and your own stuff now? Is trying to kind of help them out from the social media side of stuff? And and if you did, like, how did you? What did you do with them? Yeah, I mean, the social media side of things. I look at social media not like on its own, it's a magic tool. It's just another platform. But really the business at its core is still the same. The psychology of sales is still the psychology of sales. The way we connect with consumers is still the same way. I think that the, and this is where I I work a lot with agents on their mindset, on understanding the why behind the tactics, because I'm a big believer in you can go and buy like 100 courses on social media and 50 templates that you can use to start growing your audience and this and that. But really, at its core, what is the message that you're trying to give to your audience and why that message? Why does it resonate with people? Because I find as business owners, we become very one-sided. Like we don't put ourselves in the shoes of our consumers often enough to understand their needs and what it is that they are looking for. And we just start looking at everything just from our viewpoint. Man, that So that hits like a special place in my heart because I'm such a big believer in, and one thing that we talk to people here is it's, you know, by default, so many people will talk, you know, even some guys on our marketing team, they'll maybe write something up and it'll talk about us and why we're good and stuff. I'm like, guys, no one cares about us. Yeah. They care about what's in it for them. That's the most important thing. So we always have to come from that place. So exactly to your point, mm-hmm. everyone wants to talk. About, or the the other thing that, you know, we find very common is people will, um, they put on a front. Like they feel like in business, they have to be this business person. So they change who they are into the business version of yeah. themselves. Yeah. I'm like, well, why? Like, yeah. why? Like, what? I don't want a, the, this fake person. I want the real person. Nobody like, wants that. Yeah. So like, just be yourself. And some people are not going to like you. You know, like Tom and I joke all the time. We're yep. like, yeah, we know there's a number of people out there. They're like, I don't know. Those Tom and Nick guys, we don't like them. Perfect. Well, we don't want to do business with them anyways. We want to do business with the people that like us. So yeah. we're like, hey, let's hang out. It's no different than groups of friends. Like you don't want to, you don't have to be friends with everyone. Yeah. You just have your group that you want to be parts of and you, and you, and you do things with that. And that's it. And it makes what you do more fun too. And I think this is like the whole authenticity point that you just made is something I really try to drill a lot. So, I mean, I do a lot of... I'll go speak at brokerages. I work with teams and agents on a one-on-one basis through my programs and coaching. And I'll, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have had opportunities to speak at bigger real estate events and other events as well. So through those um, platforms, when I used to work for a company, I had to filter my message. But the biggest thing for me and the biggest reason why I do what I do now is it allows for me to be who I am. And when I'm out there and I'm speaking, there's a lot of people, I'm sure, like you said, that look at me and think, huh, well, like, she's too yeah. crass or we what don't is, like what her she, use of What does she know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it's just being okay with that. It's being okay with that because you, you know, like you said, you want to work with people that make your job easier. Now, 
saying no to people has become so easy to me. It's just like, I don't feel there is a mutual fit here. Yeah. How is that the first time? It's so tough. Yeah. You feel like an idiot because yeah. you think that you're, you know, you're not being practical and we need to be able to service everybody, which is, you know, it's, it's bullshit. You I don't. know. Yeah. <laughs> you no, don't. it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Cause that you're like, the customer's always right. And you always, and, and I'm yeah. not saying to treat customers poorly, but you know what? Like depending on the customer, no, they're yeah. not always right, right? Because sometimes things just aren't a fit. Like mm-hmm. it's and it's okay. I feel like as a business person to be like, hey, look, in a in a very nice way, you know, not like hey, get the heck out of here, right? Yeah. But in a very nice way, like, look, we're just not suited for each other, and it's 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 empowering to realize that, like, look, you don't need to grasp at every single opportunity because to me that's like a scarcity scarcity mindset because you feel like there's not enough opportunity out there. Mm-hmm. There's like flipping tons of opportunity the out there right? yeah like it's, it's crazy about. and it's it's weird because people are so afraid there's this the moment you let go of fear i mean and, and i had this conversation today i was at a at a brokerage speaking earlier today and i said like within this world i feel like there are different planes of existence and you choose what plane of existence you want to be on so if you have that mindset of there aren't enough people, there is too much competition, there is this, there is that, there is always going to be something or the other. You're just gonna attract more of that and you're not gonna be happy. So you just have to literally shift from that to be like, this is who I am, this is who I wanna work with and this is like how I wanna feel. You have to have that positive energy with you at all times. Because for me, if if what, like even when I was going through my personal struggles, I had to decide what is my mindset towards everything that's happening to me? Do I look at this and say to myself, okay, you know, poor me and I have no opportunities now and this and that, or do I just, you know, take that energy and focus it on the things that I do have? And the more you start to focus on the positive and the more that you start to focus on like people who resonate with you, the more people you're going to meet and clients you're going to meet that resonate with you. It's just like you start attracting more of that. Yeah, and I agree with you completely. It's just sometimes a hard message to get through because when you can't quantify things mm-hmm. sometimes, right? What about the, um, so, because you've mentioned a couple times with real estate events and, and, mm-hmm. and brokerages and, and um, you know, all these crazy real estate people, what, so which <laughs> I, I know, know we're part of somehow, you know, <laughs> we try not to be, but somehow we are, right? But, um, uh, but you've moved on from just that too because now you're working with um, just beyond that. I guess really just trying to help you. Is it primarily females that you're working with? Like, this has just happened organically. Okay. So oh. people have come to you saying, hey, look, yeah. I like what you've been through. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just need someone to kind of give me, like, I just want to learn from mm-hmm. your lessons. It's kind mm-hmm. of like a shortcut. A hundred percent. And I don't think it's more as a shortcut. It's just more, um, I don't think I'm doing much. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I'm doing much. It's just be having, you know, be, when you're speaking in front of an audience, it kind of, you're establishing a certain level of authority automatically sure right? yeah, yeah and that comes with a lot of responsibilities what i'm learning so just through that sometimes a lot of you know women especially will feel empowered to to move on in their own life like i'll never forget this it's like i was doing a session at an office and there was a woman who came up to me at the end of that session and i didn't and i had met her before she said um She's, and I didn't, I don't even remember sharing my story in that session, but she said, she's like, my fiance passed away six months ago in a motorcycle accident. And since then I've had a really hard time getting back into work, but something, and she's like, I've tried coaching, I've tried everything. And she's like, something about what you said today gave me the drive to start again. So it's really, those are like, I know it's going to sound cliche, but those are the moments I live for and do what I do for. So now... I work with a lot of women one-on-one wherever I can and it's not for the money it's more just for me if I can if I can show them all the opportunities that this industry presents for them because a lot of them are real estate agents who need to work on their personal development side of things which directly translates into professional success for them then I'm all for it and then what about and and so I, and I agree with you to that point because you know, doing what we do. I mean, there's a lot of real estate stuff, which is cool. Like, I, I like the real estate, the investment aspect of it. Like, when I go and if we find a new property, we do a deal, or when we did this office, like, it's cool. Like, I, I, I do like those those components of it. But from strictly a business standpoint, if if our business was structured and, you know, all we did every month was, like, we looked at business financials. Okay, where are our sales at? How many sales? Where's the revenue? Where's What's our, you know, profit margins? Like, it gets old really quick to yeah. us. And it's, it's these times. So we have... um 
uh, you, you know that we do these larger events a few times a year. So we have this event. We've capped them now at 750. So we, we actually purposely don't want them to, to be any bigger. Um, lots of reasons to that, which is a whole other story. But, uh, you know, seeing the people there and being able to speak to a lot of the members and even at our VIP events and stuff that we do and just kind of hearing what they've done and, and you know, and we didn't do it for them, but but sometimes, you know, or often they give us credit for being some sort of catalyst for them. You know, sometimes they give us, I feel that they give us more credit than we deserve, really, because they're the ones out doing it, right? And, you know, that's this type of stuff that, like, keeps us going. That's what keeps this whole thing going. We were talking earlier about, like, our new office is really cool. We really like it. There's just no soul in, in here mm-hmm, yet mm-hmm. and because we need that component yeah. here. So we need, the you know, the old pit in the old office we had all the different pictures and collages of people with your life, your term shirt, live, you know, doing whatever they want to do and stuff. And, and, you know, it sounds kind of airy fairy. I'm not a big person into that type mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, I'm like more of the factual mm-hmm. kind of stats numbers type person. And, uh, but that gets old really quick without mm-hmm. the, without the like, Hey, you know what? We're actually doing a good thing here yeah. and we're making a difference. And it, it, it's, it's what separates, it's what allows you to kind of keep moving forward. And I think if you don't have that come I, at least I feel now I'm old now right I'm 41 so I'm learning things here old. so I'm learning things <laughs> but I think that's the component that is like if I read about that or when I read about that in my 20s I didn't get it like I didn't get it I'm like this sounds like a load of crap yeah. you know but now that I've lived it I'm like wow okay now I get it it it, it, it truly makes a difference and there's got to be a business component to it you can't just be like well I'm gonna make a difference and then everything's gonna fall into place no, it you doesn't. know like it's so true yeah but but it, it's 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 um it's just it's just you know it's just strange that, that that it really comes around to that and I think the people that I've seen that are like really more content with things and they're like ah oh, this is they're, they feel like they're in a cool place that there is a component of that big or small that is that is with them on a regular basis 100 right? 100%, 100%. it's i think for me it's like it's all about empowerment because like throughout the years of like having done what i've done for me if i can make someone feel empowered yeah that's the biggest achievement so you know i meet women for instance one of my clients she does um She's trying to make it in real estate, but on a personal level, you know, she's got, she doesn't have the support that she needs. So it's, you know, I feel like I can't just help her with one thing and not help her with the other thing. Like when I work with my clients, it's very like, it's, it's, it's holistic. Like it's a very holistic approach. Like let's look at everything because you can't just fix one thing because if, if other yeah. things, other yeah, cause those are going to drag you, you, they'll drag you down. Right. Exactly. So for her, for instance, like her passion was dance. So I was like, Hey, why don't we just like. Because if that's what makes you happy, why don't we try to like create a group there where you can attract more like, you know, people into your dance group and your business. And that will also feed into your business. because We're going to use that and leverage that as, a, that as a way. So, you know, again, and she felt so empowered because she was doing something she loved and it was also directly helping her business. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, putting together those opportunities and making someone feel like, you know what, you can do it. That That's, you know, and what you're helping her with is like, you know, that's a true business building blueprint really because mm-hmm. it's you know what a lot of people don't think about and realize but because of the marketing background that you have or the knowledge that you've gained over the years you're able to kind of implement that in a variety of different ways in real estate or, or elsewhere and kind of help yeah. people that because it's it's so i mean you know and we've had marketing talks before and yeah. just we're just big believers like if you know how to especially in today's world if you know how to attract attention mm-hmm it's probably the most valuable skill that you can have because you can leverage that into pretty much any opportunity that you want. A hundred percent. And you build trust as well through that process. Like we talk about like, what are we really in the business of selling? We're in the business of selling trust in ourselves, really. Like that's what it comes down to. So, and marketing in its at its core is really not complicated. I think we tend to make it more complicated. Like even in our industry, when you take a look at like the million, you know, products and services that people can turn to, and I feel like agents have a, um, they have shiny object syndrome. So oh, yeah. they will just gravitate towards anything and everything that's new. And they'll just, they won't think through how that's going to help them. They'll just be like, we should start doing this. This is the next thing. 
Yeah. Exactly, right? So uh, I, I just, I don't feel like that is really necessary. I think, you know, marketing at its core hasn't changed. People just want authentic, real, honest people that care about them to help them. Who do you, and where did you learn some of this? Dean Jack, did you mention Dean, Dean Jackson yeah, before? Dean was Jackson, one of you guys? Definitely, 100%. You learned a lot of stuff from him. Anyone else? Yeah. Um, so in terms of digital marketing, I've, um, a lot of it is self-taught to be yeah. honest, but I've, I've, I'm in a mastermind with Nicholas Kuzmich. Oh, yeah. Does a lot of Facebook ads, so I learned from that group. And again, it's you know the, the good thing with those groups is that you it, it goes beyond just the technical how to implement an ad and you know how to like do all of that stuff. It goes deeper into like you know how do you run your business? How do you deal with this? How do you do you know more yeah. strategy than anything else? Yeah, and it's the psychology of the ad, like creating yeah. it, like running the ads, one thing, mm-hmm. but it's creating the message that is yeah. like because once you have a good message. Um, you know, and this is what, what, when we work with our team, we're like, look, let's just, we'll test the message because once we know that the message works, we can take it to any media and then just transform it and mold it to that. So we've taken, like we've taken one message that was winning for us and we did it anywhere from, you know, Google and Facebook ads to fax broadcasts, to newspapers, to magazines, to radio. And the same message will, will work. You know what I mean? So that's the type of stuff. Um, I don't know Nicholas well. Um, but I do know him because uh, from a few different uh, conferences that we were both attendees at, that mm-hmm. we, you know, we spoke a couple times. Yeah. And um, and from speaking with him, I know that's some of the stuff that he he, he speaks about that as well. It's not just like, no. here's Facebook Ad Manager, and this is where you click to make the ad go live, no, right? Because that's, that, that's the easy stuff. It's yeah, really, totally. It's the easy stuff. But that's the stuff that people think is like they need to know. Always. Right. Because Always. it is the e- like you said, it's the easier stuff and it's the quick stuff. So it's harder to get the the study and the a little bit kind of deeper knowledge yeah for right? sure you're so you're so right on that because i'm working on a course right now that i'm building out for um storytelling on social media because like stories as you probably know oh gosh, yeah. are getting way more engagement on every single platform youtube recently launched stories as well so every platform is facilitating stories they get a lot of engagement people scroll left before they go down on the social media feeds right now and um it's funny you say that because yeah. my what we were lying in uh, uh we we're lying in bed we were just on bed like what because we don't i don't want to think that we're lying in bed on our phones so mm-hmm. just to be clear mm-hmm. so we we're waiting for our daughter to fall asleep because she she wouldn't go to bed so we were just kind of hanging out upstairs in our room and uh this was last night and same thing i'm not an instagram person i kind of right. took myself off that but um she she read she went through all her i saw her she went through all her story stuff before she would go through the news feed on yeah. instagram yeah That's yeah like i witnessed doing. it last night exactly what you're saying <laughs> it's so true so you know and, and and what you said earlier like to your point about like people just want to know the click here and click there i'm building this course out with an agent who's become a very good friend of mine she went from making 40,000 in her first year in real estate to 1.3 within four years yeah, that's awesome. and all of her business has come from telling stories on social platforms so we're building out a course and the course has two elements it has the psychology and the strategy of why do these stories work so well why is she telling the stories that she's telling where are the opportunities and why do people care about it which is really all you need to know but i was like no one's going to buy this course if we sell just strategy. We're going to have to include templates and I'm telling you what's going to happen. Yeah. People are going to buy it for the templates and then they're going to look at the strategy, yeah. which is bizarre, but I know that's how real estate agents that's, work. You're what, you know what? And you're smart. That You're absolutely right. Yeah. We have something, uh, you know, uh, we learned this. This wasn't ours. We learned this. I think it was from Dan Kennedy. It could be from someone else. So mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I got the wrong person, I apologize, but it was sell them what they want and then give them what they need. Give them you know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah, everyone, yeah. you got to sell, everyone wants the template. Oh, I can do this quick and easy. That's what everyone wants. Yeah. But then if you follow it, it's no different than some of the, uh, our lead gen for, for investing. We're like, Hey, here's, you know, some tax sale properties and there are tax sale properties all over Ontario, but the large majority of them are in areas like wooded areas. And it's like a little bit of a swamp and you can't really do much with it. Right. But investors are like, Oh my God, I can buy pen. I can buy a property at an auction for unpaid taxes. And it's like, it's what they do really they're like this is amazing i know i want i'm gonna find something here and then slowly we're like okay guys here's like here's the process of investing and here's what we're here's in around the golden horseshoe different opportunities here's what we look for in an area and slowly try to give them the other stuff that isn't like like could you imagine we run a lead gen ad for investors like 
learn how um, economic trends and population migration is changing the, you know, the real the different real estate markets around your thing. Yeah, they're like, everyone be like, what the, who the heck wants to do that? <laughs> you know, we live, so. in a, we live in times of instant gratification, shortcuts, immediate results. Yeah, for sure. And reality is that doesn't exist. I know, but everyone's looking for it still. It doesn't exist. I have had clients who I, because I'm a very honest person, I, 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 I say it how it is. Like we talked about earlier, if it resonates with you, then it resonates with you. Like I promise zero results. I don't. Because at the end of the day, I can give you the tools. If you use them and implement them and use your brain and put the effort in, then you'll see results. But if you don't, then you're not gonna. And that's not my fault. That's down to you. That, you know. And, and I feel like every business owner has to take accountability for their own actions and you know, so be here, motivated. Yes, I agree with you. Here's my question though. From what people, what you're seeing with people when you talk to them, mm. do you, have you ever asked, I haven't, and this is why I'm asking. I'm like, have you ever said like, guys, why do you want, the, like if this isn't the stuff that actually works, this other stuff's more important, why do you want these like why do you want the temp why are the templates more important to you than the time. and what do they say just because it's quick and e they feel it's like the, the quick easy solution they, to something yeah they feel like it's a quick and easy solution it's basically what it is and i call them out on it i'm like you want me to stand here and tell you how to click here and how to click here and how to click here and i can show you that in 10 minutes and i go what are you gonna actually do with that if you don't understand the why behind the how the how is the easy part i go go google it literally the yes. how you can <laughs> yeah, google yeah. but if you don't understand the why i'm yet to meet a real estate agent well i mean i meet some of the like top producing teams and some of the agents that are doing really well that i've given their business serious thought that peel the layers behind and they really go to the core of what does our consumer really want who is our consumer let's really go through let's let, let's walk in their you know yeah. kind of uh, you know and, and, and understand their journey, their struggles, their pain points. And like, a, let's look at real estate like yeah. a real business yeah, like a instead real business. of like, hey, free home market valuation. Yeah, but uh, you know what? Well, let's be honest. Like, a lot of agents get into this business also for the same reason as, you know, every, the same mentality, quick bucks. We're going to make quick money. Total, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're like, well, look how much these people make. I mean, they're, they're overpaid. They shouldn't be making this Always. much. Well, I'll, I'll get in. It's easy money. You know, exactly. and um, I mean, that's why there's thousands and th tens of thousands of them in Ontario. And but the, the stats, I don't have the latest stats, oh, but, gosh, yeah, but I think it's like 92 percent or something in the last year have done zero one or, yeah, no, or no between deals. one and two deals. Yeah, or like it's like something, that, yeah. you know, so there, there, it is not even the 80 20 rule. So like if, you know, it's that there's like the top five percent of all the agents or mm -hmm. slightly more, maybe it's six or seven are the ones that if you're you're want to do business with one they're, they're actually running a, a real business yeah. and it makes a, it makes a difference too you know and i beat up realtors all the time i don't beat them up but we're like you know don't say the realtor word like that's a swear word around here you know because the, because of the stereotypes around it yes. but like any industry there's there's like good ones and there's bad ones and it's no different than lawyers and dentists and, and everything else Always. the difference is that with realtors there's so many so so many of them that when you use the same ratios, you get a lot more not so good ones if you use the same ratios as other ones than you do the good ones. 100%. Right? You're totally right there. And I think that as much as like I see agents every day be like, oh man, there's too much competition. I'm like, no, there isn't. As much as it may look like from a numbers point of view that there is competition, when you really look at agents who are running it A, like a business, have their value proposition down packed, they have they deliver quality services to their clients there really aren't that many yeah. and people want to work with them like i think as a consumer today and i had this conversation i was in i was at uh, the aroma cafe actually in oakville i was there with my nephew and i just met this young couple with two kids and we started talking because i talked to everyone and uh, <laughs> i started talking to them and they're like you know we just moved to oakville we used to live downtown and then you know our family's growing this at the other so i just started giving them because i live in the area and i know the market and i started talking to them about the market just kind of and being interested in them as people they're like we wish we had met you earlier because we had the hardest time finding an agent to work with. Yeah, I believe that for sure. And I think as much as there is a lot of agents out there, it's as many agents as there is out there, it's become harder for the consumers to pick the right person it's to hard, work with. Well, it's, you're, 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 there's so many, it's harder to find the smaller percentage. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So huh. So what, what's, uh, what's next for you then? Honestly, every, and I know this is going to sound like every opportunity that, has come to me, has come to me, I haven't seeked it out. 
I just keep doing what I do with the right intentions. And I think I want to stay on the path of coaching, working with people and helping them improve on both the business side, because I'm, you know, I'm a balance between like a very practical person on the business side, but also, you know, personal development and, you know, like emotional health, mental health, all of those things play a very big role in my, have played a very big role in my own life. And I think, you know, I, I, I take a very holistic approach. So I just want to continue working with people on both fronts and, that is my journey and wherever that takes me i'm very open-minded to it yeah that's that's cool i mean it comes across like it's you're not coming from a a, just a business standpoint you're you know you're just like hey okay look here's what i do with people like trying to help people and then the kind of the rest kind of flows out of Mm -hmm. that right Mm -hmm. How, how do people um, where do people find you? Is it so? Is it social, social media? media? Stories. It's story. Now I understand <laughs> stories. Everyone wants to see the story, right? But we, we have to think about it. Like, why do people resonate with stories? Well, stories tell me why do they? Though, pe- people, when I start talking to a crowd of people, I can tell them stuff, and then we go, you know what? This happened the other day, or I have a story about when I got sued, which mm-hmm. I did on my fourth deal in real estate. So the moment I start telling a story, everyone's attention is like right away they're more attentive they're listening because we've been listening to stories since we were children yeah. like you know i agree with you completely so i've, I've used a, a similar mm-hmm. point the analogy i'll use on my guys look we're taught from a very very young age to value stories so like yeah. like we read to our kids uh well we don't read to our older daughter anymore but when she was younger we would read to her every single night mm-hmm. like my wife or i we even vacation we would take books we read her stories nonstop. Mm-hmm. Our, our youngest daughter, where we read her stories. But not just that, in school, they have story time and gathers around listening to stories. And across religions, across all religions, it doesn't matter if, whether you like religions, don't like religions, what religion you like, doesn't matter. They're all based on stories. Mm-hmm. Like so much of what our society is built on in our youth is story-based, that it's inherent in us that we're like, we value them and we respect them. And it makes it easier to retain the information too, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, I agree with you completely about about the stories like it's just it's the way it's it's the most valuable thing and it's interesting because i think that's also how you get to know someone yeah. because if you tell me a story about something you've been through i can kind of it it's not a factual thing like i can kind of get a feel for who you are when you the way you handled certain things in your life i'm like okay i get a sense of who this person is and it's just valuable and that's i think that's how like as humans we just connect with each other a little bit better right it creates emotional resonance yeah. it definitely does and i think You know, we're always looking for people that are, you know, we say our tribe, but, you know, as human beings, we're always gravitating towards people who, who have, you know, who have a similar mindset, share similar values and are in a similar kind of, you know, wavelength as us. I think we, we agree on too much. I think what we should do next time, we should do this again and we should have someone come here and then disagree with all our points. (laughs) And then we can see if we, if we, if we think we're right still or not. But back to the last question about where do people find you? Because I I kind of, you know, I said stories. Where is it? So is it Instagram, Facebook? Is it website? Okay. So what's the, uh, I didn't even get the handle. The handle. (laughs) I'm old, man. I'm an old guy. No, you're not. No, Actually, not even like I'm. I'm right there behind you. No, you know so what? Don't I, say that. I was so distracted by social media that um, last year, sometime, mm-hmm. I, I just took myself off off it. I like I go on Facebook to check for some groups I'm part of, mm-hmm. certain things, and I I literally don't I don't go on Instagram. The odd time someone's like, "Hey, go on Instagram. I sent you something. You got to look at it." Mm-hmm. Um, and I very rarely are, are looking at Facebook just for my own stuff. I found that I just got too. It, for me personally, mm-hmm. it was too distracting for me. So I just actually remove myself. I don't actually go on it. So that's why I, I kind of joke about that stuff. I understand. No, well, you know what? And I, and a lot of people do that, but you know there are ways around it. <laughs> you can't just oh, yeah. turn off your notifications. And I think I read a really interesting post recently on Facebook. Someone had posted about. You know, the mindless scrolling on in a lot of people yeah. do it. You're not the only one. Like, we're all guilty of it to some level. But we have to be conscious and aware of why we're doing certain things. So this person had shared that the reason they were mindlessly just scrolling on, on Instagram all the time was because they were trying to numb something. Mm-hmm. And what is it that you're trying to numb? Like, why are you doing that when you know it's actually a counterproductive um, action for you? And it all, like, when she peeled back the layers came down to her lack of self-worth and you know kind of looking at all these like influencers and everything on Instagram that validating and feeding into that negative state that she you know the belief that she held for herself so I think awareness is the biggest thing so once you become aware of like why you're doing certain things it becomes easier for you to just kind of like stay away from it I don't do that now and I'm very conscious about who I follow as well because 
like with anything else, like, you know, we say clear the, you know, be, be aware of like the people that you surround yourself with, the environment that you're in. Yeah. Your social feeds are also a part of yeah, the environment. Yeah, what you're taking in. Exactly. Yeah. You're taking it in. You're absorbing it subconsciously, consciously. So making sure that you're following people who are, you know, the right messages and nothing, you know, none of that fake stuff that you think you should have. Like, I don't follow people like that. There is, um, have you seen this website? I got to show this to you. Hold on. Where is it? Fakevacation.com. Have you seen this thing? No, oh, you got to check that? this out. So before we wrap up, yeah. so if you look at this, you can actually... Oh man, I'm not typing it in right. Hold on here. Fake vacation. Well, it looks like I'm wrong now. I must have typed it out wrong. It's is it vacation? Maybe is it like maybe there's uh, here. Oh, it's fakeavacation.com. So what you so it's fakeavacation.com. So what you do is you can upload your pictures, and then it'll make it look like <laughs> see this. It'll make it look like you went on vacation, so you can post these pictures to social media. See, there's one, if anyone goes here, there's one in front of the Eiffel Tower, there's one in front of the Sydney Opera House. I actually don't know where the statue, oh, it says Italy. I've never seen that statue That's before. so funny. You know, there's you the know. Las Vegas sign. So you can actually, po- so you can pose, so you can go home. It shows you the pose. You take the pose you want and then it'll put it in front of this, in front of this thing. You can post it like you've been on vacation. That is crazy. And look, there's packages. Look, here's the Paris, the Paris package. It's $39 and you get five pictures from around Paris like you've been on vacation. This is what social media's come to. It has. Like this is what, like to your point, you got to, that's why you got to watch out who, you know, to take in what you want to take in or you're going to feel like. Very true. Very true. But you know what the interesting thing is, even though you can do that. And I think travel bloggers are definitely like looking at this website (laughs) are one of the most like, you know, we look at them. Oh my God, look at this person's life. All they're doing is traveling. Well, there is a guy I know who has traveled to, I think 80 odd countries is still in his twenties. And basically has like the dream life if you look at it from like sure, yeah. outside this perspective. But the conversations I've had with him is like, really, how happy are you? Like, how fulfilled do you feel? Because for me, did he do it alone? With people. Oh, with people like 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 people he has a relationship yes. with, or just random people. Yeah. Okay, so no, that that's because I'm like both. to me, I would always want that because whenever I'm someplace yeah. cool, like if I go someplace for business, you want to share. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so cool. And the first person I think of, and this is, I'm not saying this just to make her happy. The first person I think of is my wife. I'd be like, wow, I'd really like her to be here and see this with me. You know what I mean? So, sorry, that's why I was asking. No, for sure. And I think, like, but but even then, like, I think you know, we have to really. I think the biggest thing I've learned for me, one of the things is, I have to really be honest with myself as to what truly actually makes me happy. And now having been through everything that I've been through, now I understand it's those little things that make me happy. Being able to spend time with my five-year-old nephew and see him grow up truly makes yeah, me happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being able to just walk to the lake and just sit there and you know meditate or take a nice walk makes me very, very happy. And there are certain things that make me happy and those are my reasons why. And, and, and it's not because I can take like great vacations and stuff like that. Like That's all good. But true happiness, I think, is usually when we really peel it back the layers is a simple stuff in life i yeah absolutely it's one of the things that's hard sometimes especially in our society is to pull back and and take the time to do things like that it's amazing how i i I, i've been accused of moving at a pretty quick pace here Mm. probably sometimes too quick where i can be like okay guys look we gotta get this done so i'm gonna be direct let's get over there a little bit you know and as soon as we go go to europe all of a sudden i'm like like my whole body changes and i'm like I'm almost dragging my feet. Like I walk, I don't even, I even walk differently, you know? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. Let's just stay for another coffee. Or like the lunches are like the longest lunch. Like here, my lunches are 20 minutes. There, my lunches are like two and a half hours. You know, it's like a whole different, different thing. So look, for the third time, now I, I'm going to stop interrupting you. Oh my God. Where do people find you? So what's the, what's the handle or website? So um, AsianConsulting.ca okay. is the website and uh, my social links are on there, but on Instagram, which is the easiest way to connect with me. And also because I'm trying to grow my Instagram following completely. Um, okay. <laughs> It's uh, my first and last name, so Kieran Gandhi, K-I-R-A-N-G-A-N-D-H-I, and two underscores right after it. Two underscores right after. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because it's a pop- popular name. I would imagine. Well, the last name especially, right? But the last or... name is also very easily misspelled. So. Oh, is it? So, because it's G-A-N. Yeah, G-A-N-D-H-I. Most people G-H-I. do G-H-A-N-D-H-I. Exactly, okay, because that's, that, that's, that's why I had to pause before I said it. 
All right, cool. All right. Look, thank you very much for thank taking the time so to do it. Thank you so much for having me. All right, awesome. Thank you. Hey there, it's Nick Karadza again. We hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget, if you're a real estate investor and you're looking for any strategies, there's a ton of stuff at rockstarinnercircle.com. Specifically, I would call out rockstarinnercircle.com slash books, which there's a few different books that we've written up there. You can get a free copy at. And also, if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com slash reports, there's a number of research reports we've released about all sorts of um, trends and strat- uh, trends and kind of happenings around the Golden Horseshoe that are impacting investors specifically. And there's a couple more coming out. So you can check back there periodically to see th- some of the latest updated information about real estate investing and the trends and different strategies we are seeing in the Golden Horseshoe area. So until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>